Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 117 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh my God! I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? All right, we now welcome on a uh, very special guest. It's a friend of the show making his uh, return. To these airwaves, probably maybe right around this time last year we had him on, maybe a little bit before or after, not sure. Just got a little Marty Morton leg on you there, but uh, it's Anthony Ronaldo. Uh, how's it going, pal? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. It's uh, it's great to be back. Uh, recurring guest. Feels really good to pick up those lines on the resume. Uh, things are going well. We just started our fall camp over at Boys Latin, uh, so things are great. Yep, exactly. So you are the uh, offensive coordinator at Boys Latin, so we wanted to get you on talk a little bit of high school football so i guess uh for you know we've we've hopefully picked up some listeners in the time since you were last on so for uh, anyone that maybe wasn't uh, privy to that interview from last year why don't you just give us a a quick rundown of uh, just who you are uh what your your official position with the school is and uh, how things have been uh, going since we last talked absolutely uh so the last time i was on um i kind of give a rundown of my uh professional my pre-professional uh backstory how i wound it up uh, wound it up rather, uh, where I'm at right now, uh, which is currently at the Boys Latin School of Maryland, which is a private school that competes in the MIA conference in Maryland. Um, I'm an educator in the building, and um, I'm also the associate head coach and offensive coordinator. Uh, within that, I coach the wide receivers and the quarterbacks of the varsity football program. I deal a lot with recruiting, both import and export recruiting. So it's my job to find guys to come and join us on uh, Westlake Ave, and then my job to get kids placed in college as well. Um, we have a great staff over at Boys Latin, so um, just run smooth. Word. So I guess uh, first thing that I had written down here, um, you seem like a good guy to talk to about this just based upon all our interactions, you know, in the past year and since we last had you on. How would you kind of sum up the state of high school football in Maryland as we head into the 2021 season? Because I'm sure some of our listeners are plugged into it. Others, maybe not so much. Maybe they're just kind of more into the pro scene or college. But how would you sort of sum things up as they are right now? I think there's a lot of duality uh, right there um, with Maryland. 
Maryland high school football currently. I think that you have a bunch of different conferences that played different amounts of football last year, you know, within the pandemic year. You know, us personally in the MIAA, um, we had two games and we played in the fall. Uh, I know that some of the public schools played in the spring. I know that the Washington private schools, Washington area private schools, they played in the spring. So a lot of guys are different places with it. Um, but altogether, I think you're going to see a little more rust out there in those early weeks. Um, because like for us, ex for example, right, we had two games last year. Our current seniors were juniors last year. So they, they've really only had two games since they played JV football. So they don't really have that varsity mileage. Um, so I think you're going to see a little bit sloppier stuff at first, you know, until we can kind of get into a rhythm. And I think that's fair to say across the board. Love to hear it. And I'm, I was just looking through your roster earlier. I mean, you guys have some, you guys have some real football names, Peyton Giberson, Nathan Krause, Braden Hamet. You guys have the, uh, the classic football names on there. Um, so just straying from that, I just wanted to get that out of there. You, you've done a good job compiling a roster that just has outstanding names, but my biggest question for you is someone who previously worked in compliance quite a bit, uh, NCAA. I'm very curious to hear your takes on NIL and how maybe that has some trickle-down economics or, uh, as Alex Moran would put it, some some trickle-down other words that I'm, I'm not going to say with a good coach like you on the podcast, but uh, some, <laughs> some trickle-down effects. With some, of the, uh, might, oh. with some of the talk about the language on here lately, maybe you don't want to either. Okay. Oh, well, trust me, I've seen, and, and I have a suggestion for that. So uh, what we do um, on the offensive staff here at BL, obviously, you know, we want to raise good contributors to society and, you know, educated young men. Uh, we don't allow profanity on the field, um, you know, but when you're passionate about something, it happens. Okay. So um, I started a swear jar. Um, so every time one slips out, some dollars go in, same with the entire offensive staff. And the end of the year, we're going to treat the kids to something nice. Um, you know, the kids are very well aware of it. You know, I'll, I'll let this fly here, there, that fly in the, you know, in the spirit of love and practice. And uh, the kids, oh, coach, swear jar, swear jar. So uh, I think you guys need to get a swear jar going and then uh, add a little bit of philanthropy to that, man. And, you know, hit a little bit of charity around the holidays or something based on how much you curse. So that way, the people that keep chirping you in your comments can no longer chirp you. And if they chirp you, they're chirping you're giving back, which is well. That's a great spin zone. I am curious about the fact, like, if it's a swear jar and we're putting money into it, wouldn't we want to swear more to, you know, contribute more to charity? Cussing for the kids. It's going to be a t-shirt. This is just the it's way that about, my, my it's, brain it's operates. Not about, it's not about swearing more or less. It's about being passionate, being human, and not having to feel bad about it, which based on your response to the person that commented, you clearly don't feel that bad. And I quote, respectfully, no. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you know, I... There are a few things in life that I'm as passionate about as my ability to let a few fly. I, you know, I, I swear here and there, and that's that's who I am, and that's who this guy is too. You know, let's let's face it, that we're just a couple of sailor mouths, I think. And uh, it's okay. Of course, Coach Ronaldo, good Catholic boy, is getting us to repent for our sins. I'm a cat. <laughs> hey, I'm a Catholic too, but guess what? I'm an Irish. You're Catholic not nearly as guilty as as Coach is. Coach Ronaldo <laughs> here, he's. He's got real Catholic guilt. I real it. Catholic. I, guilt. I listen. I have it too. My my family is from Southern Ireland. We we have plenty of that. But uh, for whatever reason, it doesn't translate through to the swearing. I do like the idea, though. I think we're gonna have to uh, implement something like that. Anyone who's listening, who wants to uh, get that going or help us get that going, please hit me up because it's gonna be very difficult for me to keep track of. But uh, cussing for the kids, it's gonna happen. It's a thing now. Okay, uh, listen. I'm excited about it. 
let's do it. And, you know, you guys can come out to a practice whenever you want and you'll watch me contribute too. Uh, Spencer, let me get back to your question though. I think like everything going on right now with the name, image, and likeness stuff is great. I personally have always been against paying players. I think there's so many legal uh, issues with it. I think there's a lot of um, philosophical flaw to it. I personally have never subscribed to that. So I just think it's really good that now players can kind of go out and get it on their own. Um, you know, whether it be hosting a camp, doing an autograph signing, um, profitizing off their own, um, you know, media, things, things like that. Yeah, so wide range of things. And But what you're going to see is there is direct, there's, there's indirect, but there's a lot of direct recruiting implications with this. So I think you've already seen some articles probably come out about, you know, Power 5 schools and their booster programs and, you know, the things they're going to do to kind of enhance this, uh, this new ruling to really kind of dangle the carrot for these kids. And, you know, if you look at, um, you know, some of the top high school football players in the country, they're like graduating early. And like before it was, you know, the controversy was, controversy was, you know, is a kid wrong for foregoing a, a bowl game, right? With that much money on the line. Now you're, you're watching 17 year old kids forego their senior year because they know with NIL in place, you know, they can just go ahead to Ohio State, right? And, you know, they have seven digits on the line. Are you going to risk that? And that being said, you know, that gives us an opportunity to get started on developing a kid's brand earlier. Like we always, we always preach that. And uh, I'm, I teach business courses. So, you know, I, I talk to my students about it all the time. Like you are your own brand, right? So go where it feels best for you and go where you can develop your brand the most. And, you know, also as an institution, we obviously, we hold that knowledge and, you know, we spin that whenever we can when we're trying to attract some of the best academic and athletic talent. And I'm a little bit more of a neophyte with like, you know, college and uh, basically all the recruiting stuff that goes on. So if you could explain the NIL to me a little bit further, because like I had thought that it was just like opportunities to, you know, partner up with sponsors and brands and stuff like that. So is there direct payments now that are allowed to go on between schools and players? Or if you could just explain that a little bit further for me, just as a non sequitur for someone kind of a little more uninitiated. Sure. And I, I do not want to misspeak at all. Um, my interpretation of what's going on is that, um, you know, members, uh, student athletes can use their own name, their own image, and they can receive, you know, money off the use of their likeness as well. Um, I'm not sure if it can be from one party to another. I don't know if there needs to be an intermediary. So I would love to answer your question really thoroughly, but I also don't want to put any misinformation out there to the audience. For sure. Well, knowing knowing what you don't know is a big part of it. But I mean, at a very base level, even it's it's just kids being able to have their jersey sold now, which has been so ridiculous for so long to not be able to profit off of their own likeness in that sense. And and you know, like like Coach Ant said. I'm not positive either. Um, that's definitely something I'm sure one of our listeners will chime in and give us a little bit more insight to. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because you were very deep into compliance up there in, uh, in the old New England area and, and what you were doing up there previously. So with uh, St. Anselm. So I was excited for, for you to come on and, and give us a little breakdown because I just feel like there's so many ramifications that trickle down. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there, um, but I'm, I'm really excited to see it. It's going to make recruiting even hotter. But I think one one thing that's going to help is definitely like the transfer portal. Um, you know, if a kid gets to a good spot and they're making good, you know, opportunistic income off their own name, image, and likeness, they're probably less likely to transfer. And, you know, with everything, with the extra COVID year of eligibility, that transfer portal is just, you know, it's crazy. So I, I'm hoping to kind of eliminate some of that. 
and it forces people to be where their feet are, you know, and, and just really um, invest in their school communities and um, contribute, you know, in, in a long-term way instead of just a short-term, then get out, you know? Yeah, and it's interesting, like, this kid, Quinn Ewers, is, like, all over Twitter right now. He's, like, kind of a pseudo-celebrity in his own right already, and he's not even at Ohio State yet. Um, what do you, like, make of that? And, like, are there any guys in Maryland to keep an eye on that might be, maybe not to that degree, but might be kind of approaching sort of national status before they've even taken a college snap? Uh, national status like that, uh, I'm not sure. Um, you know, yours has been headlines for years. You know, you're seeing Arch Manning right now, you know, in, in that same kind of light. Um, just, you know, you have, you know, these these pages like Max Preps. I mean, they start putting these kids out when they're 14, 15. And, you know, that, that clout meter goes through the roof. To answer your question, I, I really don't think we're going to see it a ton. I think it's very, very few and far between. Um, in this area right now, I can definitely say that, um, you know, we do have some of the best defensive linemen in the nation that come out of this area. Um, I think the number one D end in the, uh, 2022 class is at McDonough right now, um, recently committed to Penn state. I might be again, wrong on that, but I mean, it's just coach Franklin's been killing it, um, with the MIAA kids and, and Maryland as a whole, like, I mean, we're, we're a hotbed for Penn state right now. And. Um, as far as the NIL stuff and like the early graduation, I, I don't really think so. So getting back into, uh, into your world, so I, I believe the, the highest rated kid in Maryland uh, before we get into there is uh, Jayshon Barham at St. Francis, if I'm not mistaken. That's I mean, I'm looking on 24-7 and everybody's different. ESPN's going to have different rankings. Max Preps is going to have different rankings, yada, 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 so forth and so on. So uh, boiling back down into, into your world of recruiting and you kind of having that duality with being up at St. Anselm a while ago doing some recruiting and now boys Latin, just give our listeners, you know, a breakdown of, of what that's like at a high school level and, and kind of the differences there and what you've learned from it and, and where your program might be headed in that direction. Is that something that you really have been passionate about and dipped your toes into at this level now? Yeah, it's a super important part of the job. Um, anyone that works in a private institution uh, specifically, you know, in, a, in an athletic capacity, um, you know, has to, has to do it. You know, we want to attract kids that want to be here. Um, we're very blessed to work at an institution with such a good uh, reputation, rather, where we'll have a lot of inquiries. A lot of families will reach out to us. Um, the type of kid that we recruit at, at Boys Ladder, the type of student athlete that we really, really would like to, um, you know, provide opportunities for are, first of all, good people, right? I, I always recruit character first. Um, other than that, it has to be in the classroom because they're student athletes. The student part comes first. And then we look at what they can contribute, um, you know, in an extracurricular capacity. You know, will they be involved with different student organizations? Um, aside from sports, what sports will they play? Boys Latin School is a smaller school. So we have like roughly 300 boys in grades 9 through 12, uh, which is one of the, the smaller private schools uh, that competes in the MIAA. And, um, you know, we just want to get guys in here that want to be here, that want to be Lakers for life, um, you know, and we say it's not four years, it's forever. And that's kind of like a corny little recruiting pitch of mine. Uh, but in doing that, you know, we, we get kids in all the time. I, I personally give tours very frequently. So we'll, we'll show kids our insane facilities, um, you know, break out all nine uniform combinations. I'll make them personalized graphics, everything like that um, to really make them feel loved and, you know, know that, you know, Home is on 822 Westlake Ave, you know, so that's what that's some of the stuff that we do. So what is like for just some nitty gritty talk on it? What is like a typical process of like, let's say let's talk about like one kid. You don't have to like 
cite anyone or like, you know, do anything like that. But like from the process of recruiting like one guy from the beginning all the way up until you, you land him, what, what does that kind of look like day by day? At the high school level or the collegiate level? Uh, I would say, I mean, either one, honestly. Yeah, I mean, at the high school level, um, there's, well, I guess both. There's two ways to approach it. You have incoming student athletes and then you have transfers. So at the high school level with an incoming student athlete, you want to really like start to form a recruiting relationship around like seventh grade. Uh, when that, you know, when that person is in around seventh grade, you can kind of get a good idea of what they're going to be like growth-wise generally, not always because, you know, you have people that grow late or people, whatever. Um, and you can kind of see them in an athletic capacity and get an idea of how they're going to move for you. And then, you know, if they're not in good enough academic standing at that time, it gives them time to kind of recover a little bit, play a little bit of catch up in the classroom. So that way they have good enough grades to get admitted into your institution. Um, I'm not speaking on behalf of boys Latin to answer this question. I'm speaking in just broad generality. Um, so, you know, typically one would, you know, look at someone around seventh grade, start to plant the seeds and then water them, water them as they get older. Eighth grade, they'll do like a shadow day where they'll come to an institution and they kind of just sit in class for a day with a host. Um, more often than not, that host is someone that's going to be involved in similar academic and athletic curric- extracurriculars. Um, a day then, in the life. Yeah, exactly right. A day in the life. And then um, there's an admissions process that is deadlines usually around the holidays, around like Christmas. And then in February, the admissions letters go out and says, you know, you've been admitted and then has, you know, there's financial aid packages involved if it's a private institution, uh, things like that. And then like the space between you're just staying in constant contact. Uh, Like one thing we do, um, you know, we just make regular phone calls. Um, We we let our guys know that we love them. We want them. We're investing in them. Uh, When they come to us, we're going to get them recruited, Um, you know, and just show that we care. Um, College level, it's a lot of the same stuff. Uh, based on what level you're at, uh, whether it be D1, D2, you have different um, recruiting schedules of dead periods and, and things like that, uh, where you can and cannot have guys on your campus um, based on the time of the year and also their grade. Um, and But once they're eligible to be recruited by you, you know, obviously you can go, you can see them at camps. That's a big thing I did uh, when I was coaching at the college level, the scholarship level, was you go to these like regional clinics and combines and you basically just evaluate uh, you're there with a bunch of other coaches, you know, from different colleges, and you're just watching them go through these drills. A lot of the times they're hosted at like a uh, group of five or power five schools. And you as the D2 coach, you're running the drill. So it's it's cool because like uh, when I was at St. A's, I went to one of the one of the more like interesting experiences I had was when I went to the University of Rhode Island because uh, University of Michigan had a satellite camp there. You know, so it was pretty wild. You know, I was like at the quarterback station. Here's Jim Harbaugh, you know, and Josh Gaddis is working with the wide receivers. And, you know, it's, it's you know, it's me. I'm mixing it up with them. I'm talking to these kids. And it's really neat because you form these really cool, like, fraternal, um, like, relationships within, like, the coaching network um, and things like that. But you get a lot of those, um, you know, things like that. And then with transfers um, at the college level, you know, you're in the portal every day. So you're looking to see who's coming from where. Um, and then you just got to find out why you got to put on your detective hat and you got to figure out why they're leaving. You got to figure out what kind of academic standing they're in. And you got to figure out their eligibility, things of that nature. Um, it's just nonstop. And the programs that honestly like can't keep up with it, 
can't keep up on the field either. And I mean, it's, it's just as simple as that, you know? Right. And it's a, it's a interesting you mentioned that because I know uh, Quiddy Pay was out there in Rhode Island and ends up going to, to Michigan there through some connections in Michigan and just shows how those pipelines kind of are in sneaky places at times. And I'm sure there's transfer pipelines at this point and things of that nature and uh, some, some relationships and courses like that. So uh, getting into getting into kind of your job, your 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 skill set, your uh, professional path, and all of those things. So the precursor question I have is: uh, How similar is your job on game day to playing a game of Madden? <laughs> um, you know, typically um, when I'm like playing some Madden, you know, I uh, I can relax a little bit from time to time. I mean, you play to win the game. Either way, you play to win the game. You know. Um, but uh, Madden doesn't pay my bills. Um, you know, winning, winning football games does. And, um, you know, there's just a lot that goes into it, man. Night before is crazy. You're sleepless. It doesn't matter if it's your eighth year, like mine, or your first year, or your 28th. I've talked to coaches that have been doing this for longer than I've been alive. And I was like, hey, you know, do you, you ever stop being nervous? You know, and they're like, no. And when you We got to figure that, out how to stop Buck Sweep because we know yeah. we can't. <laughs> nah, they're like, you know, when when you stop being nervous, that's when you know you're done, you know, kind of thing. So, um, I'm going to put you on the spot because very early on in your, in your coaching career, you were like, dude, it's just like Madden. (laughs) And I also, you, I I've seen you tweet about how you're like a, you're the same four plays kind of guy, which, you know, gives me some, some inklings that you, you would be a big Madden guy as well. Cause I'm, I'm a one play guy in Madden usually. Yeah. So I would say the only parallel is like that instant gratification feeling. Like in Madden, when you're like, okay, here we go. Corner strike's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when you actually get to do it, when you actually get to do it with real human beings and, you know, you know that the defense is going to rotate one way because you've watched six hours of film that week on just that team alone. And then you start watching it happen. Yeah, and it's like, okay, wow. Like, this is pretty cool. And the coolest thing isn't like that feeling for you. It's that feeling for the kids. Right. So it's like, it's like, yeah, it sucked. I haven't eaten this week or slept a ton or talked to my family, but I know exactly how they're going to rotate, you know, to three by one. And, you know, our guys are going to be open in space. They're going to make some plays and it's going to make them look good, feel good, play good. And at the end of the day, the kids come first. So that's such a football, right. such a football guy thing to say. Um, yeah, I, uh, Jake, to go back to what you're saying. Yeah. Less is more, man. Um, less is more for sure. Need that foundation. Need need to do a couple things that you're fully confident in. Exactly right. And you can make a very few amount of things look like a lot of things with pre-snap motion, uh, which is something that I do all the time. It's classic me. Um, I think everybody that (laughs) plays against me knows that about me. Um, I've always been really curious though. Like I always want to McDonough McDonough's in their film room. They're like, come on guys. It's the same play a different (laughs) way. Can we, can we get it? Can we get this guy this time? I just really, I really want to like talk to like DCs, like when they game, like after the game, obviously, but like in our industry, it's so much like on to the next one, you know, where like, I don't even have a time to really like sit down and chop it up. Be like, all right. So like when we played you, like, what was your, what was your practice game plan? Like, like, what were your scout cards? Like, what did you think was going to happen? I'm always like that curious, but I just haven't had that opportunity yet. So maybe that'll happen this year. I don't know. Yeah. You should start a podcast. That's a good way to, uh, you know, get, get that, uh, get that network kind of building. But, um, I, I was also curious about this. Like it's, I think it's interesting, like being on this sort of strand of conversation, like, what are some innovations that you think you're seeing at the high school level that can maybe have a chance to trickle up? Because we've heard about that 
a little bit in the past couple of years. Spencer was big on the, the go-go offense and some of these other uh, things that guys are running that maybe one day we could see trickle up into maybe the college or pro level. Is there anything you're seeing or doing? Um, not really. I knew the last time I was on here, we talked about how, um, you know, everything in this, in this coaching game is a big recycling bin and carousels, you know? Um, so you're going to start to see stuff, you know, that was very popular in the eighties and you're going to have someone call it something new and someone's going to be like, Oh, that's a pioneer. And you're going to see some young coach rise. And if it's me, great. Uh, if, if it's not, then, you know, it is what it is. But I mean, to answer your question in terms of like, like schematic innovation, I don't think so. I think the type of kid is changing as someone that like regularly has to go to like youth level practices to recruit. Um, I can tell you right now, youth practices are very different for one. There's way less kids playing football uh, for two. There's way less hitting. Um, the style of play is vastly different as someone that educates adolescents and teenagers, the mentality in general of even non-athletes is changing. Um, you know, I'll leave it at that, and you can kind of draw your own conclusions from that. Societal shift more so, and it has ramifications in places you wouldn't expect, like maybe sports and youth sports and things like that. Exactly right. And, you know, I don't want to, like, speak negatively of our current generation of, of youngsters or, or teenagers. It's just different. It doesn't mean it's better or worse. Yeah. It's just different. No doubt. But, I mean, but you're going to see that bleed. Those lines are going to bleed, right? So, like, these like these different type of kids, you know, they're out here. They're playing the sport that was played for so long, generally, generationally a, a different way, right? Are they um, looking any different athletically than they were a decade ago? Because, like, I know that's only, like, 10 years, but, like, are kids, like, coming in more athletic, bigger, faster? Because it feels like it's, you know, it changes every decade or so in the NFL with, like, the amount of speed and, you know, size and stuff like that. Is that something you see on that level or no? I, I think it's it's pocketed, you know. Um, I think I might be a little biased because I work at a place where we see really good-looking, quote-unquote, in terms of an athletic capacity, good athletic-looking kids um, of good size and good speed and strength and stature and all that good stuff. So I, I can't tell what it's like across the board, but I would say kids are probably bigger. I think that kids are more exposed to more for sure via social media. So like a kid that's like on Twitter is like seeing, you know, a high schooler do box jumps, right? Work on some plyometrics. While that kid goes out and, you know, at his home gym or his basement or wherever he's at, right, uh, that person, you know, can go ahead and get creative and, and try to apply that. If they see older people doing it, you know, the, the behavior of modeling. But across the board, I'm, I don't know. It's a tough one. And definitely it feels like just kind of the globalization and the Internet capabilities allow for those kinds of things where it's going to continue to make training better. And that goes across the board in all sports. But something I wanted to get into was – um, kind of maybe what some misconceptions that you think people have or have had in passing when you have conversations with people about kind of what the duties of different coaches are and, and what install is like and versus, you know, positional coaches versus a, a coordinator versus a head coach versus a, a specialist coach versus QA and maybe some misconceptions people have and kind of just like clarifying things that you found at this point, you know, being eight years in now, you know, you're, you're, you're still uh, you're still a spring chicken to me, but you got a little you got a little seasoning on that chicken. You got a little paprika, got a little, little black uh, pepper on got there. Got a little salt and pepper in that hair, and you got the glasses going too, which just you know adds another another layer of sophistication. Absolutely. So so just any kind of misconceptions you might you might have stumbled across that people have about positional coaches or or different just the kind of duties of different coaches and coordinators and uh, the way the way it is and and how to install and what a playbook is like and things like that because I think that stuff that our listeners kind of have questions about over time consistently on this show and people love to know more 
especially those who might not have played football ever or might not have, you know, had exposure to those different people and types of jobs and, and clarifying some things that you've seen in your career? Yeah, absolutely. That's a fantastic question. I think there's a few questions in there, but um, let me unpack There's, there's a slew of them. There's a slew of them. My man. Uh, so yeah, to kind of unpack that a little bit, um, you, you know, there, there is a hierarchy, there's a pecking order. Um, you know, there's, there's the head coach, then there's the associate head coach and, and the coordinators, and then there's the position coaches Then there's, um, you know, volunteers, unpaid assistants, QAs, GAs, stuff like that at the college level, the high school level, right. Um, head coach, associate coach, coordinators, position coach, volunteer, um, so basically, like, when I first started my coaching career eight years ago, um, it was at Calvert Hall. Um, I was, you know, obviously that the low man on, and what I wanted to do was just be a sponge. Um, and it, it paid dividends because I, I wasn't trying to be, like, the loudest one in the room. I wasn't trying. And there's so much, like, machismo in, in, the, in, like, football, like, ego, like, so much unnecessary testosterone sometimes. And, like, when you really, like, simplify things, like, Football is football. Um, that was one of my biggest insecurities. Like when I actually got hired coaching college football up at St. A's, which if you're not familiar with St. Anselm College, it's a Division II program um, at a scholarship level. Uh, I coached uh, tight ends up there. Um, I was the director of football operations. And, you know, I wore a lot of different hats up there. But when I first got up there, I was kind of like insecure because I was in a room full of guys that have, have coached in bowl games. You know, guys that have legitimately been doing this for more than one decade. And here's me, this high school coach, right? And, you know, I didn't have this glamorous collegiate playing career. You know, I didn't have that notable of a high school playing career. So it's it, it wasn't like I ever doubted myself, but it's like, do I belong here? And I was talking to one of the more tenured staff members at St. A's. And he's like, yeah, you know, like, how's it going so far? You know, kind of thing, like checking in with me. Great guy, a legend. He's a legend. This guy's been in the school since forever. Um. And I kind of told him what I just shared with you guys. And uh, I'm not going to use expletives because, you know, we're on the swear jar kick here. Um, but he said, that's, you know, ridiculous. And I kind of looked at him. I was like, coach, what do you mean? Like, is, is this guy just like dismissing me? Or like, what, what's the deal? And he asked me, he's like, at the high school level, how many guys are on the field at one time on your side of the ball? You know, I was like, well, 11. And he was, Yeah. He had the fattest dip I've ever seen in his mouth. Um, he's got a full beard, right? And uh, his feet are up on my desk. He's in my chair at my desk with his feet up. I'm just standing there, right, feeling super awkward. And he goes, um, how many guys are on the field on one side of the ball at the college level? I was like, 11. And he goes, yeah, you're good. You can stop, uh, you can stop feeling, feeling weird about that. You know, and he got up and he left. And that stuck with me since forever. Football is football. So whether you're a rec coach, high school coach, college coach, NFL coach, whatever, football is football. All right. And um, I think a, a big misconception from outsiders outside of the industry that don't get the amount of hours that go, whether you're media, whether you're scouting, player development, on field, off field, whatever you are, there is so much sacrifice in this game. And that's why it's the most beautiful game in the world, because you sacrifice, you give everything you have for someone else, whether you're playing it, coaching it, branding it, whatever it is. Right. Uh, which is really a, a, a beautiful thing. Like my parents, like as of like lately, they've started to kind of figure out like what I'm doing, you know, cause like, okay, you're doing all right for yourself. Like I see you here. I see you there. Um, I think for the longest time they thought I just like kind of hung out at a field with a whistle and a visor. I don't think they really understood like 
the intricacies of this game, which a lot of people don't. But um, within like within a how many stat, hours you spend in the dark with your eyes burning? <laughs> it's crazy. That's why I got these bad boys, these beautiful glasses, man. You know. Um, but to get back to kind of some of the other things you were asking, like one thing I tell my guys, my position coaches that work like for me on my offensive side of the ball, I'm like, look, guys, you're the head coach of your position. You're the head coach of your position. So with that, you should have the same organization of a head coach. You should have the same energy and enthusiasm that matches you, right? If you're not a rah-rah guy, don't be a rah-rah guy in front of your players. Because it, like, it doesn't matter what level you're coaching at. Kids but if you're Coach John Smith, be 100% energy level of Coach John Smith. Swing your swing. Yeah, or just, or just whoever you are naturally. You know, whoever you are naturally. Don't ever be try to be someone you're not, whether it's in your coaching style or your recruiting style. Um, just because I think like if it's disingenuous, you know, people will be able to see through that. And, you know, that kind of creates like an identity thing, uh, from the kids to you. And the most imperative thing that you can establish is, you know, those kids seeing your competence, right? Your kids understanding that, you know, your X's and O's and you know how to work with personal, you know, uh, professional relationships, things like that. Um, which I think is another misconception too, you know, that you have to be this real intense guy. Not, not at all. Not at all. Just be you. Be authentic. Be the head coach of your position. Um, you know, don't try to be the loudest one in the room. Usually the loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to being a human. Whoever you are as a human, be that person as a coach, but be that person as a coach for others, not for yourself. Good advice for life, honestly. Um, and I'm kind of wondering, I guess, pairing that conversation down a little bit um, to the conference you're in. You know I'm a uh, MIAA guy. Didn't actually go to a football school. We still don't have it there. We're still, you know, kind of growing. But uh, curious about what the the scene within the MIAA for football is looking like, what your experience has been with it, and how it kind of stacks up with the rest of the state. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the MIAA and the WCAC are, you know, the two premier athletic conferences in uh, you know, D.C. and Maryland for sure. Um, we compete in a conference that is dog-eat-dog, dog, like, any given Friday night or any given Saturday afternoon, like you can sneak one against anybody just because we have insane athletes across the board at pretty much every institution in every single sport. Somebody's um, got a workhorse. Somebody's got a, a running back or, you know, somebody plays quarterback or receiver that can get you. Exactly right. And all these schools are beautiful private schools that have insane facilities and great academics. And of course they're going to attract the best prospective student athletes out there. Right. So Everybody's recruiting, everybody's developing, everybody's coaching, everybody's good. Um, the structure of the conference does shift. Every couple of years, you'll have like a power shift where one team's got the juice, the other team rebuilds, right? They'll bring in a new head coach. He gets his recruits in four years later, that team's got the juice, right? And the one team that was on top for a long time, they, you know, they kind of graduated some talent. You know, they burn out a little bit and it's just cyclical. And that's it, a really neat thing about it. Every couple of years, the conferences will realign. So, you know, you'll have one team come in, one team go out. Um, the MIAA is tiered, a lot like the NCAA. Um, three tiers. There's the A conference, there's the B conference, and then there's the C conference. So based on the type of year you have, um, you know, if you're just in dynasty mode and you're just killing it, right, you're putting a really good uh, product out there on the field, then you can expect your team every couple of years, you can be eligible to kind of elevate up or, or go down, you know, things of that nature. So it's constantly changing, which is really cool. Um, it's very challenging, but 
I take great pride in the fact that, you know, I get to I get to call plays in one of the best conferences, not only on the East Coast, but maybe in the country. Um, and you know, we have great kids too. At the end of the day, like they're the ones that do it. You know, we just kind of tell them what to do and try to put them in good positions. But it's really neat. It's a, it's a really neat, super insanely competitive conference in every single sport. Love to hear it. And uh, I just wanted to, I was curious on your input on, there's been so much in the football kind of information world versus the the coaching world. And I, I know where you'll be on this side of the topic, but can you talk about your relationship with the run versus the pass and maybe how the two are built off of each other or any sort of feelings that you have there? And how as an offensive coordinator, you're looking at maybe different matchups and the ability to run the ball and throw the ball and, and the relationship between the two. Is this a Madden question or a real life question? Uh, well, Madden is Madden is life, and uh, the ball is the team. So I think it's fluid between the two. Well played. Uh, so to, <laughs> to that, that really threw here, you for a loop there. <laughs> to answer your question here, um, you know, obviously, like throwing the ball is sexy, right? That's hot. It's fun. It's it's high voltage. Um, it's fast, especially when you run a system like mine. You get playmakers in space and they can just do what they do best. However, at the end of the day, that's not how you win high school football games. Okay. Um, I'm really big on clock, clock management and, you know, really controlling the variables of the game that I can. Uh, The other team can't score if they don't have the ball. So um, in certain situations, I really like to bleed the clock. Best way to do that is to obviously, you know, you run the ball, you keep it in bounds. Um, High percentage passes count as well. You know, the pass game can be an extension of the run game, very much so. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, it varies year to year on your natural resources. Um, I would say this year we are definitely a run first team. Um, I would say pretty much every high school football team is going to be run first. There's like one Um, team per conference that might have like a 50-50 split or like be 60-40-70-30 passing, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we have, I mean, we're one of the top lacrosse schools in the nation. So we have we have dudes that are just insanely shifty, um, insanely quick athletes, very, very intellectual people with high football IQ. But the end Spatial of the day, like, awareness as well. Yeah, yeah, lacrosse. absolutely. But at the end of the day, like, you know, my relationship with uh, run-pass ratio has changed. I've become more of a run game guy. So it's, it's a little... If you follow me on Twitter or any of my coaches, which I'll plug everybody at the end of the, of the podcast here, um, you'll see me occasionally tweet out hashtag ground rate offense, which obviously, you know, people know I'm an air raid guy. Um, but, you know, the running joke is that we don't really pass the ball that much. And, um, you know, I have an insanely great run game coordinator on staff with me. Um, good friend of mine, longtime colleague, JP McManus. Um, you know, he played O-line when he was in high school in the MIAA at a really high level at Calvert Hall. Um, and he went on, he played a little bit at Monmouth and then our other offensive line coach that we have is actually a BL alum, Greg Pike. Um, he started 40 games at Georgia, was all conference, went to the league for a couple of years. So I have two insanely valuable offensive line minds, um, that really kind of handle everything up front. So all I have to really do is focus on the skill guys, right? The perimeter, um, what's going on in the backfield, how we're controlling things pre-snap with our QB. Um, and again, it comes back to controlling the variables that we want to control, right? Um, and that varies week to week. And, you know, alongside with that, you know, you have like you know, how fast we want to go tempo wise, 
you know, um, do we want to get a lot of quick game, you know, things like that. So it, it varies, but I've definitely become more of a run game guy than a pass game guy. Lately. Uh, that definitely, I mean, having guys that can implement blocking concepts up front and have them be well executed, well timed, split it out the right way, you know, being able to reach the second level at the right time, being able to seal things off. I mean, that, that just goes to show, like you said, I love the way you used your natural resources right now. You've got two guys that can apply those concepts to your players and have them understand it at a cerebral level. So I love to hear the the adaptation and this this podcast. Our our one of our mottos is you know, don't put a, a round peg in a square hole, and you know, do what you can do, utilize the, your resources to the best of your ability, and be who you are. So, makes a ton of sense, and and love the response. Yeah, I'm a uh, I'm a 25 year old man, and like when we get into some of these schematics and stuff with football, like a lot of it just goes right over my head. What's it like, kind of teaching some of these more nuanced things that we're talking about to high school kids? Keep it simple, you know, keep it simple, um, especially for in-season modifications because, you know, you have a kid that's going through seven hours of classes, pretty rigorous, you know, a- a- academia, and then at the end of the day, they come to you. You're getting them when they're pretty tired and they're pretty checked out. So um, you have to inject a little bit of life, you know, so when they come out for pre-practice, you better have that music going, get them up, wake them up, and keep shorter segments. Um I think I saw something one time and this may be wrong, but um, it's like Urban Meyer said, you know, never keep a meeting longer than like 17 minutes or something like that, because that's the attention span of a kid, you know, when they have all this other stuff going on. So our meetings are really, really short. Um, We use a lot of buzzwords in our system, you know, so even though the people teaching the scheme, you know, played scholarship level football and one of them in the NFL, um, it's so easy. A kid coming from eighth grade rec football into our system can understand it within a week or two. And that's intentional. Um, we keep it simple so that way we can go fast and maximize our repetitions. Um, going back to the short menu that I have on game day, you know, um, I really like, you know, small play sheet and less is more. And if I would rather be able to rep one thing 10,000 times than, you know, 10,000 different reps of something else. Of course. And I love to hear that you've, uh, you know, continued to, to mature, continue to grow and continue to always try to take in other people's perspectives and attitudes and all those different senses. And one of the things that was really impressive to me about, uh, like I got, I, I'm you know loosely involved in like Damascus high school, public schools kind of program. My girlfriend went there. I, you know, I'm involved with her family Her brothers played football, that good stuff. And the thing that was craziest to me that I feel like is really difficult is trying to get these kids to understand playbooks because that school their peewee football program, they have it at the sixth grade, the seventh grade, the eighth grade. They have that exact same playbook all the way through. They have that limited menu. So how have you how have you ever struggled with maybe trying to go too fast and uh, trying to implement some of those things a little bit too quickly? And, and how did it kind of reality check you? It's um, a great question. Um, I mean, since I've been a coordinator, I've had a really good opportunity to kind of like I've been really blessed and not necessarily experienced that at a a large level. Uh, My first year at Concordia Prep, which was in 2017, it was my first year as a coordinator. Um, You know, I had a great relationship with the coordinator that I worked under when I was at Calvert Hall. Um, And I kind of took a lot of do's and don'ts from him. Um, You know, so like at first, you know, I wanted to do things a certain way. Um, Year one as a play caller. But I mean, you just kind of realize really fast what you can and what you can't do in terms of like playbook and how, how are you going to teach it? Right. And you got to figure out how your kids learn. So the educator in me, 
right? I know that there's multiple forms of intelligence. So some kids learn best by seeing, some by doing, some by hearing. So you got to really understand the group you're working with and then use that and, you know, spin it so that way they absorb it best. Um, so we do a lot of different stuff. We'll do Zooms. You know, of course, everyone last year had kind of like Zoom nausea, you know, because that was all we could do. Um, so we'll hit Zooms every now and again for those who learn best, you know, via Zoom. Um, I don't do like physical handouts of like no hard copies of my playbooks. Um, I always, I always hated those. I was just like, are you really giving me up? Especially back in the day, like we went to, Anthony and I went to the same high school. He ended up branching off into a different one, whatever. But we would get handed packets that had one staple in them and that would be our playbook. And it's like, I'm 15 years old. I don't have a car. I'm, you know, I have a binder full of crumpled papers and you're handing me my playbook in a, you know, a little flippy. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like the best, the best recruiters and the best coaches aren't coaches. They're players. They're kids in your, your program already. So if I tell a kid, Hey, this is what you need to do. These are your reads. That's your progression as a quarterback. That's great. But when my senior quarterback FaceTimes my sophomore quarterback randomly impromptu, right? Hey, what's going on, bro? Hey, real quick, uh, grab a pen and a piece of paper. Drop two by two, okay? Uh, against a four, two, five, and show me this concept and then tell me your reads. You know, and the first time a senior does that to a sophomore, that sophomore is probably like, oh, uh, you know, or a freshman. But then, you know, after a while, it's like, okay, I don't want to be put on the spot. Like, I don't want to get caught looking bad here. Same thing in a meeting. Like the worst thing in the world is like, you know, as a player, you get called out in film or in a classroom when that coach hands you that dry erase mark says, go ahead, draw this, draw that. And you can't, that's such a bad look. So I think at the end of the day, these kids kind of have an idea that like in order to win, they have to take it upon themselves to reinforce what you guys are saying. Um, again, we're super blessed at be able to have those type of kids that really buy into the program, um, you know, that kind of mentor the younger guys. So we have a pretty good, um, also, humble brag that you have a girlfriend, Spencer. Thanks for sneaking that one in there. Yeah, really cool, man. Chaka um, How do you how do you set goals for yourself and the team? And like, what are what are some of the things you're looking to accomplish this year? A uh, great question. You know, obviously, with any type of goal, um, you know, you want to make sure that it's specific and measurable, and within the realm of possibility. You you want to dangle the carrot for your guys and motivate them. Um, but I try to keep it small picture instead of big picture. Um, so we do weekly focus, you know, um, you come to like a practice or whatever. I'll have a practice scripted out at the bottom of the practice. It has emphasis and then it has a quote for the week. And, um, you know, that's how we get down, man. You know, we try to keep it nearsighted um, one week at a time, because if you look ahead, if you try to do too much um, in this conference, it's going to bite you. You know, you there's no such thing as a safe game, you know, and there's every game is trappy. Every game is a fight. Um, so you just try to take things one week at a time, obviously going into every single season. Um, the goal is to win, you know, the goal is to win. You want to put a banner up. You do. It's, it's what I want to do. I want it so bad. Uh, my, my guys know that, um, and they want it too. Um, you know, but you know, within your position group, obviously going back to what I was talking to you about, like the hierarchy, like I tell my position coaches, they're the head coach of their position. So I know that there's like, there are specific goals within the lineman room. There are specific goals in the running back room, right? So, like, there's some very uh, variety there as well. Uh, my goal is to win every single game, right? So it's that's it. That's why we do it. Uh, I saw win the really rep, cool win the day, win the game. Yeah, I, I saw a really cool quote yesterday. I was actually texting my QB, you know, just talking about some stuff in practice. 
And um, he's like, coach, I saw this really cool quote I want to share with you. I was like, yeah, man, what is it? And uh, it was like, winning isn't everything, but wanting to win is everything. I was like, that's pretty tough. I like that. Um, you know, so our guys just go out there and going back to like, a, like I said earlier, controlling what we can, that's part of the goal too. So we look at it on a weekly basis. My, uh, my question is, is this, would you rather have a quarterback that's capable of executing a perfect ball fake or having a quarterback that's capable of uh, creating the perfect handoff every single time? Ball fakes versus handoffs. I can promise like a, you one. Like I can like promise a, you like a really, like a really, really nice QB mesh with a backfield guy, just flawless, just smooth. Every time you can trust yeah. it at the high school level, you can touch it versus a kid that can bomb some read option, bomb some play action, pulls the ball the right time. That's a, that's a tough one. You're that's a run a game guy one. now. You did say that. <laughs> Hashtag ground rate, baby. That guy, I, have, I haven't even yeah. seen you tweet that. Um, and that gets me like, whoo, ground raid. We got to get you I'm, right. You, we got to get you writing some guest blogs for us every now and again, because you, you do, really bring definitely some, do. Yeah, and if, yeah, I, I'll, I, I'll, I, I'll say this. I love ground raid so much that if you win the MIAA this year, if you win your conference this year, I will get hashtag ground raid tattooed somewhere on my body. <laughs> that is a promise. Brother, I'm yeah. cutting that clip. Deal. Say less. Yeah, um, I would love that, man. Um, I've been blogging a lot. Um, just, you know, writing all kinds of different funny stories from the past, college, high school coaching, good, bad, ugly, all that good stuff. So I, I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, ground rate's a thing. I'm going to take the QB that has the perfect handoff every single time. But he's going to have a perfect cadence every single time, too. I love a QB with a good cadence. Nothing like it, man. I wish I would have thought of cadence because that, that I was trying to think of like a little 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 ultimatum between uh, something in your quarterback room because that's, that's where your mind's at. Quarterback skill position all that beautiful stuff right there. So I, I just wanted to get your brain ticking a little bit. That's the one thing. Great that, cadence, great cadence, great handoffs, ground rate offense, baby. That's the one thing with Lamar that I'm kind of, I'm kind of missing. He doesn't really have the the strong cadence. I don't think, especially I've been uh, watching. Oh, he's Suey called Derek Wolf offsides today at training camp. Okay. Well, I'll keep an eye on it for he this got one year. in there. He was, <laughs> but I've been, uh, I've been watching some old Steve McNair stuff for a project that I might be pursuing with the site. And like his cadence was elite. Loved Aaron Rodgers, dude. He's got Ooh. a good one. Yep. But uh, uh, believe it or not, my man, Cam Newton. Brady Quinn had a hell of a cadence. Brady's a stud, man. He's and, a. Uh, I think I think someone in the media one time asked him, like, you know, what do you do? Like, how do how do you? And he's like, I gulp honey. <laughs> and then and then like a later part of the quote, he started talking about how he shaves both his arms and his legs to be more aerodynamic. And then I had to stop being a Brady Quinn fan. Oh yeah, he's he's <laughs> got to be more yeah, aerodynamic. Yeah, no, he's uh, Brady knows what he's doing when he's shaving those arms and legs. He's trying to get the glisten going on his arms and look good for the ladies. He's 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 like he's like how much mousse do I have to use to make my hair look wet? Bra for Brady knows hours. exactly what Brady's doing. Brady's uh Brady's Brady's a weapon and he knows it. But um, I guess one of my one of my youngest one of my youngest takes of like oh my god they messed up they let him get into the twenties. Brady Quinn's gonna make the NFL pay. And he wanted to come to Baltimore too. Uh, another a, a story he told on PMT one time, I think. So that that would have been interesting. But um, did you see my man's at his combine bench? I oh did, my I did god! Not. I've never seen a QB hit it like that. And I just remember like this the soundbite of the strength coach, right? Like at the combine, he was just over him. Total football guy saying, right? If you're gonna be a bear, be a grizzly. If you're gonna <laughs> be a bear, be a grizzly. And then I think Brady Quinn just go ahead, dogs out like 26 reps of 225 or something insane. Hell Incredible. Yeah. Hell yeah. Incredible. 
Last one I got for you. How do you hope to see high school football progress in Maryland over the next couple of years? That's a great question. Um, I think Maryland, DNV as a whole, but specifically Maryland has some of the best football uh, players in the nation. So I'd like to see more schools playing at a national level um, and just, you know, continuing to be in the press for good reasons, doing good things. Um, I want to see individual players keep going to power five schools, D2 schools, group of five schools, D3 schools, whatever it may be, just going and playing the next level. Um, and I think that's like what Maryland's brand of football is right now, um, you know, as a whole. But it would be great if, you know, throughout the state, we just kind of really continue our our forward progress, if you will, um, with the product that we're putting out for the rest of the country to see. Beautiful. And the last thing I had for you was looking back now, you know, COVID's not over, but uh, it's it's a different place than we were around this time last year. And especially when we conducted this interview, I remember we were I'm pretty sure it was like deep into lockdown when we had the, the interview last year. So as an educator, as a coach, as someone who is, you know, trying to shape young people's lives, what are your biggest takeaways and uh, maybe your biggest silver linings and improvements that you've seen or taken away out of the last, you know, year plus and moving forward? Yeah, fantastic question. And, um, you know, I've always been a very grounded person. Um, and I, I wouldn't say I would, I, I used to take it for granted because like a bad day at my job, pretty, pretty damn good day still. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you're out there on the turf, you're coaching kids or you're in a fit, whatever it may be. Right. Balls so, flying you know, around. You're getting to getting to smell the grass or the turf. Exactly. Right. You know, working on the tan a little bit. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, a bad round of golf, right? They always say about a bad round of golf, which I've had plenty of is better than, you know, a good day at work or doing something undesirable. Um, I think it just made us like really, really appreciate the small things. Like we, if we want to get classroom time, we can get classroom time. If we want to, you know, gather and, you know, obviously we're still, you know, following all protocols and guidelines, but you know, we can do more and it's like, oh, wow, we get to do this. We get to do that. And like last year was my first year at BL. Like I got hired like a week before the, sh the shutdown, you know? So it was like it was killing me not to get on campus right away and start installing and, and whatnot. Um, so I just, I, if, if it's super like, you know, free, super grateful, insanely blessed to be able to work with the kids, you know, and in a quote unquote normal ish capacity, because it's still not, you know, we're still not out of the woods with this thing. And, you know, we're, we're being insanely, um, you know, cautious, diligent, precautious, diligent, respectful of everything. But yeah, the biggest thing is just, you know, feels really good just to be kind of, kind of in the, normal ish light, you know, coaching good football. Hell yeah. Well, here's to uh, getting all the way there. Thank you for hopping on with us, buddy. This is a, uh, another great chat with you. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we surely did before we get you going. Why don't you uh, let the listeners know where they can find you um, with whatever it is that you're doing on social media, any prospective recruits that uh, are, you know, maybe listening to this, give them, uh, give them the Anthony Ronaldo pitch. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I can't reveal any of my recruiting secrets, man. That's personal, you know, um, but, <laughs> but come on uh, down to Ashley Schaefer, BMW and uh, coach Renato I'll give you the wink and the nod, the discount. We just have a good time around <laughs> here, man. Get me, uh, get me in the studio and I'll give you the rundown or, or if you guys want to come to campus, I'd love to give you guys a tour. I'll hook you guys up with some, some BL gear and, um, show you what a day in the life is like on the field. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at coach Renato. Um, R I N A U D O coach Renato. 
Absolutely right. I'll follow you back. Um, we'd love to network. Even if you don't work in the football industry, you know, um, hit me back. And uh, you guys take care of yourselves. Thank you for having me back on. Uh, the blog. What about the blog? Uh, blog is kind of, we're in, we're in a little bit of a, Rut. a, bit of a segue. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't re-up my URL because I got bigger and better plans for it actually. Okay. Um, okay. So real quick for our listening audience last year, I kind of started like getting into blogging during quarantine little bit because I was like I have all these stories and like I just want to put them out there and um so I had, I had a lot of good hits on on the site um but I kind of want to take it a little bit bigger so we'll be in touch about that when that time comes uh, I think you guys might be able to help me out in certain capacities but um yeah I'm there on Twitter I'm around I'll be coaching ball I'm a little bit busy so if I don't get back to you right away uh please be understanding cool all right pal well appreciate it again you have yourself a, a great rest of your week here and uh Best of luck with the season, and I'm sure we'll be in touch uh, over the next uh, couple weeks and uh, up until the next time we have you on the show. Thanks, guys. The ball's the team. Take care. Ball's, ball's the team. Hashtag ground raid. Hashtag I'm getting it tattooed on my butt. Arrivederci. <laughs> Go Lakers. Gorlami. Gorlami. Arrivederci. 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 Arrivederci.